right, everybody, good morning. Welcome to High Desert Word Center. Praise the Lord. Who's glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Well, we are going to have an awesome time uh, studying the Word and, and worshiping Jesus together. This is the day that the Lord has made, so we will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Amen. All right, let's stand up together, and we're going to open up our service by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America, because we, again, we believe that America's coming to Jesus, and there's never been a more important time for us to stick close to Jesus than right now. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and speak these words of faith together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, Justice and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord some praise this morning. Yes, all right. Well, we're going to take a few minutes now and do our meet and greet time. So go say hi to somebody. Give some hugs, some handshakes. Let somebody know you're really glad they're here today. Let's go. His name with joyful praise, sing of His sweet salvation, morning to night and day to day. Up your voice and thank Him. Our God provides our every need. Worship the God of mercy who gave His life to set us free.
seated today. All right. We got lots of good stuff going on, so we're going to catch you up on some announcements. Uh, man, it is so busy, but it's good to be busy because we're doing things for Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and see what's going on. Uh, first of all, starting tonight is the intentional parenting class. All right. Amen. It's going to be from 4 to 5 p.m. And what we're doing is we're going to have the next five weeks. Uh, every Sunday from 4 to 5 p.m. is the intentional parenting class. It's one hour. There's still time to sign up, um, but you need to go to the bookstore and grab your book. The, the cost is $25. That gets you the book. And we also do have child care. So that's really important for you to know. Um, if you're going to be dropping off your kids before class, I would recommend, you know, getting here at least, you know, 15 minutes early or something. That way uh, you're not delayed for the class. But we are super excited. This is a big thing for us. And we've got lots and lots of families uh, that are going to this class. So it's going to be really, really good. All right. So that starts tonight at 4. And then also the women's meeting is going to be this coming Friday night. Ladies, who's excited? Yeah. You're going to be having a Mexican food dinner, so bring a dish to share. And one of the ladies will be sharing the word. I'm not, I don't, they didn't tell me which one. Desiree's going to be sharing the word, all right? So let's be ready for that. Amen. And so ladies, make sure you don't miss out on that. Now here's a, a very interesting first time event for us. I've never done this, but on Monday, March 14th is family art night. All right. Yeah. 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 Leah, do you want to come here, Leah? Come here. <laughs> All right, yeah. I'm going to have Leah tell you about this because honestly, I don't, you know, tell them what's going on because I really don't know. Sorry, I was tying my shoe. Um, <laughs> um, so family art night. Oh, there's my brother. Uh, family art night. Uh, what it is, you're just going to go ahead and bring your own uh, canvas. I was trying to think of the word canvas. Yes. But we will, um, we will provide some paint, some co- um, colored pencils, and some crowns for you. But you can get those canvases at either the 99 cent store or Dollar Tree. And we will just provide all the other stuff for you to be able to just uh, sit down with your children. Um, and, and like Lawrence likes to say, bring out your little Picasso, you know. But um, we will have some ideas on, on some things that you can do. Um, every, I'm going to tell the story really quick. I'll hand it right back to you, I promise. Every uh, New Year's Eve, uh, me and my family, we sit down and we get those little canvases and we do name art. And so we just, we each, you know, uh, write our names on the, on the little canvas and, and we draw and do pictures and everything. And I always have it up on my, um, in my living room for, you know, us to kind of look at and everything. But I mean, it just kind of, it's, it's, uh, an opportunity to be able to see how creative your children are and for your children to see how creative you are too. So make sure you bring a canvas to moms and dads and grandmas and whoever else is coming. So yes, that's it. <laughs> Very good. All right. So yeah. Now, I'm not very artistic, but I'm going to just give it my best shot. So we got to do this and have a good time uh, with the kids that night, all right? The next thing is baby dedications are coming up. Yes. Sunday, March 27th, that's the last Sunday of this month at 10 a.m., there's a sign-up sheet back there at the info booth, and uh, and so get signed up for this. We, we know we do this a few times a year, but speaking of babies, I believe we've got a first-timer with us today, Julie and Brian, yeah. We Can you uh, stand up with her? Is that possible? Or Okay, so this is, uh, remind me of her name, Great. this is little Gracie, she's about four weeks old, three weeks a month old, okay. And so we just, we rejoice with, uh, Brian and Julie, yeah. 
It's our very first time here, so praise God. We're super excited. Congratulations, guys. And I believe she's getting dedicated that day, so it's going to be an awesome, awesome time. All right, and then we've got the softball uh, team that's getting together and, and working it out. Um, but there's no practice today, all right? Uh, Brother Robert, want me to tell you that? No practice? Are you cheering because of no practice? <laughs> all right, you know what? Uh, but yes, there will be uh, no practice today. But if you're interested in being a part of the softball team, uh, just talk to Robert or, uh, or one of these other guys, and uh, and they will get you the information on that. And then finally, we want to let you know about Easter Sunday coming up, April the 17th. That is the biggest day for Christians, right? Because we're rejoicing that Jesus is alive. And so uh, we are going to be doing a big egg hunt and all sorts of things for the kids and families. And so we do need to, we've got some eggs already. We need about a thousand more, I was told. So if we could start collecting some eggs, bring them in uh, to the info booth there. And we also need candy, um, individually wrapped candy. But they specifically said no chocolate because it melts in the sun. And I'm like, oh man. But it's okay because it's for the kids. It's not for me, right? So just bring in some you know, nice individually wrapped hard candy for that. And the kids will be doing a performance. It's going to be absolutely a great, great day. All right? And my last thing is, if you are joining us today for maybe the first time or the first time in a long time, we want to welcome you to High Desert Word Center. We've got a gift for you. and We're not going to put you on the spot, but if you could slip your hand up real quick. Heather with our welcome team uh, has something she wants to give you. So I know I've got my brother Raymond right here, the first time. So uh, Heather, anyone else here, first time, maybe first time in a long time, let's welcome them today. All right. And then Patrick, uh, if it's okay, if I may announce, his fiance is, he just got over here from the Philippines. Her name is Dahlia, amen? And so she's going to be joining us, and they're going to be married really, really soon, and she'll be part of our church family now. So all sorts of exciting things going on, amen? Well, we welcome you today. We are super glad that you're with us, and we're going to have a great time in the Word of God, amen? Who knows what time it is now? Yes, amen. It's happy time. Pastor's going to come on up this morning and do our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. Amen. God loves a cheerful giver. Tommy. Uh, Thomas. Thomas. Come in, Thomas. Earth to Tom. Okay. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Praise God for modern sound equipment. Amen. Just like Jesus and Paul all up back then preached all those multitudes. They didn't have this. Glory to God. God supernaturally did it then. And he supernaturally does it now when Tom turns the switch on. <laughs> or whatever we had going on. All right. If you need all over your tithes, your offerings, and hold up your hand, ushers will be glad to serve you. And... Uh, how many has looked at any gas signs lately? See what gas is happening? How about food signs when you go to the stores? Anybody knows the food's happening to go up a little bit too? Because it takes fuel to run those trucks. I'm so glad, I'm so glad they raised the taxes on the rich. We must be the rich. <laughs> it, anyway, I've got the answer for inflation. I've got the answer for you to always be able to fill up your tank. I was telling my kids last night when I was driving, they said, Dad, how much was gas when you started driving? I said, around 20 cents. You know, I remember when it got 29 cents. And back in those days, you'd get a dollar's worth of gas, and we had the big gas hogging cars. You'd drive for a week on a dollar. 
back then, but of course you only made 50 cents an hour for your wages, so <laughs> that was a lot of money even then. But open up your Bibles, Philippians chapter 4. Amen. And uh, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to show you the answer to not have fear about gas or about food. You know, I, I lived through the Jimmy Carter days when the gas all of a sudden went up for the first time. We had a big jump. How many here lived through the Carter days? Do you remember when all of a sudden for the first time the gas stations were lined up around the corner? And then they run out. If you're at the back of the line, they ran out before you got to the pump. Well, glory to God. I didn't know Jesus back then, but I know him now. And I'll be at the front of the line. And if not the front of the line, there'll be gas when I get there. Because we know what to do. There's no, there's no reason for believers to have fear in the times we live in. Faith is the opposite of fear. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. I'm just going to look at a couple verses here to give you faith to fill up your tank. And if you've got to go to something down the hill, you have to make a choice. Well, do I have to stay home for all the next two weeks because I'm using all my gas to go down there? No. God's got more than enough for you to have gas to go down the hill and back every day if you need to. I said if you need to. Amen. Philippians chapter 4. And I'm just going to look at a couple verses. I'm heading down to verse 19. But there's a Bible principle here. How many know the Bible principles are forever? They work in the first century. They work in the 18th century, 19th, 20, 21st century. The Bible always works no matter where you are. But there's a key. It works by faith. It works by you believing it, saying it, and then acting on it. And so anyway, verse 15, Paul was talking to the church at Philippi. And Paul was a missionary. He was a minister. And he lived off of offerings. And it says, now you Philippians know also at the beginning of the gospel, he's talking about when his ministry started, when I depart from Macedonia, no church communicated or no church supported him as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. And, you know, I, I can't talk real long, but you notice it's not just giving, it's receiving. The Bible talks about seed time and harvest. Sowing and reaping, they always go hand in hand. It takes faith to give, but it takes the same faith to receive. If you're a Christian that consistently pays your tithes to God, if you're a Christian that's always open to give and to help people, not just in church, but everywhere you go, you're a person that gives, well, use the same faith for receiving on your end too. Don't be too humble or too prideful. When God sends somebody to bless you, say, oh no, I could, oh no, I couldn't. But what you're doing then, you're turning down your blessing that you have a right to. Amen? And so he says, no church uh, helped him concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once, a, once and again unto my necessity. And he said, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. To your account. Well, if, if you haven't been around Christian things in the Bible long enough to know, God keeps books in heaven. And God keeps financial books in heaven. And he's talking right now about giving and receiving. And then he says to your account, you've got an account in heaven. And because you have an account there, it takes faith to get it there. When you give, it takes faith to do it. And God's keeping records. And so then 
The same faith that puts it there is the same faith that pulls it out. Amen. He says, he says, but I have all and abound, but I am full, have received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. It says, when you give, in God's eyes, it's an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. And you know, some, pe- some people think money is a dirty thing for churches. God said it smells good to me. God said when Christians give out of love to help other people, to be a blessing to preachers, God says that's acceptable. He says it's well-pleasing, and God says that has a sweet smell. Don't ever let any religious people tell you that money's dirty, because God says it smells good when it's used right. If it's used for bad things, it is dirty. But when it's used for God things, God says it's good. And I want you to see this next part there. He tells you all that, then he says, but. And you ought to circle that, circle that read, but, and use that to your advantage the time we live in. God says you're given that, but it's not gone. It's in the account. But when you give that money into an offering, that's not good by money. That money's put there. So God can multiply it back. And he gives more interest than any bank ever thought of. He says, but my God shall supply all of your need unless gas goes up. My God shall supply all your need unless inflation gets higher than it's ever been. He says, but my God shall supply all your need according to who's in office. According to what the stock market's doing. My God shall supply all you need according to His riches in glory. His riches in glory. And now let me tell you how this works by faith to draw your money out of your heavenly account. Listen to me real close. How many know that faith is activated by what you say? Jesus said, if you believe in your heart and say out of your mouth, not be removed, it has to obey you. You believe in your heart, the Word of God says... That because you are a giver, that God says, but I'll supply all of your need. And so the next time you're tempted to say, did you see how high gas is now? Shut your mouth. Next time somebody says you, did you see how much it is of food for less now? You say, but my God shall supply all of my need. Next time somebody says, well, do you see how much milk costs now? But. My God shall supply all of my need. Would you see how much that went up to? But my God shall supply all of my need. You know what you do when you're saying that? That is if, if you're a giver. You know, if you're not a giver, if you're not operating in God's system, that's like going up to the debit machine. And what matter of fact, one of my children one time, when they got become of adult age, they always saw me when, after debit cards come out, use my card all the time to pay for things. Well, this person got a job. Had a little bit of income coming in and started using his card everywhere. And all of a sudden, after about a week or two, in one day, all the things in the bank showed up and everyone had like $35 fee on there for overdrawn. He said, I don't understand that. Why did he keep taking it? My, my, my job put the money in there and said I had it. Why would it use it? I said, it takes a while for those things to register. When you start using it, all of a sudden they catch up. Well, I see you do it all the time, Dad. You always use your card. I said, I always had money too. Well, okay, now the faith arena. If you're a person 
that hears about tithing all the time, yet you never tithe. Your person hears testimonies about giving all the time, receiving, yet you never give. You try to put your card and say, my God's applied all my need. It's going to say insufficient funds, insufficient funds, insufficient funds. Why is that? Because you have no riches in glory because you never invested in it. Now, so what I'm saying is this. We can teach you to say these things, but if you're not doing what we're doing, then you're not going to have anything to pull out. And so if there's ever a time, if I were a Christian that always resisted giving God 10% of my income, now's the time I would get serious about that. Because I can be honest to tell you, I have no idea how high gas is going to go at this time we're in. This is worse than the 70s when those things happened back then. This is worse than any time I've ever seen. But my God will supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I have need to drive and go places. Amen. You have need to drive to your jobs. You have need to take your kids places. You have need to visit some sick relatives and nursing homes and places sometimes. You've got places you've got to go to and things you've got to do. So do not hold out on God. Make your deposits into heaven. And I just want to say this again. People have perverted the gospel sometimes into money. They say it's all about money. It's not all about money. It's all about God. And we do not give to make God do something for us. We give because we love God. We give because we love Jesus. We give because we're grateful. But because we do give, we can confidently say, But my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If gas goes up to $10 a gallon, I got a need. I got to fill my tank up. My God shall fill my tank up. Amen. If bread goes up to $10 a loaf, but my God shall supply all of my need. Whatever it is, you've got to get this straight. Zip the lip, and when the whining murmur complaint goes on around you, quickly say, no, I'm a butt person. You're a butt person? But, my God is supplying all of my need. Amen. Does that help anybody? Amen. Get a hold of that. Get a hold of that. Amen. And now, where's my partner? Come on up here, tag team partner. <laughs> uh, I, I just got to have a little old man joke on that. My kids have been, my grandkids have been asking me lately, did I ever watch big time wrestling? Well, when I was a kid back in the Midwest, they, they started seeing this guy on the YouTube called Dick the Bruiser. I said, yeah, he used to come to the armory two blocks from my house. And I walked down there and saw Dick the Bruiser. Had those guys like that. But when they changed guys, they'd always do this. Tag team, you're it. <laughs> Good morning, guys. Isn't it exciting to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning? I'm super excited and I'm super honored to be asked to be up here today. We are going to take some time to honor Mrs. Pastor. Her birthday is coming up. And if you guys know me, I'm big on birthdays. I believe in celebrating your birthday the whole week of your birthday because it's that important that God decided to create you, right? So we're going to take some time to celebrate her. So if you need... Um, uh, envelope, raise your hand and the ushers will get that for you. Um, please make sure that you write on the envelope, Miss Pastor.
so that it goes directly to her. If you're going to make checks, please make it directly to Miss Pastor. And with that being said, I'm going... Oh, Janice, sorry. Janice Daffles, sorry. I I can't. I feel guilty calling you that. Like, that's just... Anyways, um, I'm going to just take a second to talk about Mrs. Pastor and just how amazing she is, right? Um, we believe and we know that God creates each and every person for a reason. And nobody is born by accident. Everybody is born on purpose. Um, and Miss Pastor, I am super, super grateful that you are here, that the Lord took time to create you. Um, I was laughing today while I was trying to think of what to say, and I was remembering how well she works in excellence. And what I mean by that is this lady, everything that she does is in excellence. And it's not because she's a perfectionist. It's because she loves Jesus. And she believes that Jesus deserves the best of everything she puts her hands to. So I was thinking of a story of when I first started coming to church, and she needed help packing envelopes. And that doesn't sound hard, right? That sounds pretty easy. But I got in trouble because I wasn't folding correctly. And it wasn't in excellence. And I remember thinking, like, well, what's the deal? Like, it's an envelope. Nobody cares how I stuff it. And Ms. P taught me, but the Lord cares how you stuff it. And if we're putting our name on it, we need to do it in excellence. We need to do it properly for Jesus. And that's what this lady stands for. Everything she puts her hands to, she's doing it in excellence for the Lord. She's never rushing. She's never in a hurry. She stops, she prays, she talks to the Lord, she listens to the Lord. When we go to her and we're a mess and we're crying and we're upset, she's going to tell us the truth in love. She's going to correct us the way we need to be corrected. She is the mom of the church. She's our mama. And we need to take the time to honor her and appreciate her. Because it's not easy work being a pastor. It's not easy work saying, Lord, I'm going to serve you. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do. It's not easy saying the same things over and over and over again and saying, well, Lord, is today the day that they're going to get it? She's very patient. She's very kind. She's very caring. And I know that she loves each and every one of you that are sitting in this chair. She loves each and every one of you that are streaming. This lady gave up her life. She gave up her children. She gave up family. Her grandchildren are all over in different places to come serve here because Jesus told her to serve here. And because she's serving here, lives are changing. People are changing. We go to those women's meetings, we come out stronger. But let me tell you, those women's meetings take a lot of planning. She's in there printing. She's in there praying. She's in there doing visuals. Because if you all know Miss P, she's a visual person, right? She's always got to show us a visual as to why, you know, how, how to see something, you know. So today is that day that we need to take that time. And we just need to tell her thank you. And if I can ask you just to go a step further and just maybe on your envelope, just write something that she's done to bless you. Just tell her thank you for something that she's done in your life to bless you. Because it's really not about the sewing and putting the offering into her hand. But it's about honoring her and telling her thank you for everything that you've done for us. And so with that said, really quick, I want to read a verse. Um, 
Jeremiah 3.15. And this is definitely an example of Miss P. It says, I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And then Hebrews 13.7 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their ways and imitate their faith. So, Miss P's not fake. What you see here is what you see out there. What she's preaching on this pulpit, she's living in her everyday life. And I can tell you one thing. Our pastor sows into her pastor. Our pastor sows. She's a giver and she's a tither. So this verse is telling us that we need to imitate that. So we need to imitate her and sow into her as she sows into others. And so if we can just stand up, let's give her a round of applause. Let's thank her. We love you, Miss P. We appreciate you. You are a blessing. And with that being said, I believe we can bring our tithes and offerings up. Oh, the faith confession. Sorry. Okay. Is that up? Can we get the faith confession up, please? I do know it heart by heart. The Lord ties and give off. Receive or receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, sales and commission, growth in business, settlements, states and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so that I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously into the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has a great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has a great things. He has a great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken the life. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifts it high. Oh, God, you have done great things. Through every storm, you'll be faithful forevermore. You have done great things, and I know you will do it again. For your promise is yes and amen. You will do great things, God. You do great things. Oh, you are heaven, you conquered the grave. 
Let's raise our hands to him this morning. Lord, we love you and we thank you that no matter what is going on in this world around us, no matter what storms may come, no matter what attacks from the enemy may come, you are faithful, Lord. If you did it then, you'll do it now. We thank you, Jesus, that you are good and your mercy endures forever and ever and ever, Lord. You said you'd never leave us, you'd never forsake us. And Lord, we say the same to you. We'll never leave you. We'll never forsake you, Jesus. You are good. You're better than anything we deserve. But Lord, we thank you that you're not loving us because we deserve it. We're loving us because you are good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We praise your name today. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord some praise together today? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm going to go ahead and and tell you to go ahead and uh, be seated today. Make your way to your seats there. We're going to get into the Word of God. Amen. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. And, you know, uh, I love what the, the Lord instructed David to say continuously in the Old Testament that He is good and His mercy endures forever. And that is a vital thing for us to understand in our day and age. Amen. His mercy endures forever. Well, I'm going to get into the word here in just a second. Um, so we've taken the first two months of 2022, and we've really focused on families, right? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Does anyone know our theme verse for now? Joshua 24:15 says, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. And then we're going to the last part of it. But as for me and my house, say it with me, we will serve the Lord. Amen. And so there's never been a more important time for you to serve the Lord and for you to keep yourself planted and rooted in the things of God. And so um, I, I felt 
uh, very strongly this week and an urgency to, to go ahead and shift my uh, direction just a little bit in the message this week. And so, of course, our whole target and theme for 22 and beyond is families. That's what we are called to. If, if, you're, you, know, if you have a family, we want to help you to make it healthy and strong and godly and secure in every way. And if you don't have a family, we want to become your family and surround you and love you. Amen. And so that's what we're all about. And we will not uh, lose track of that. But uh, the Lord spoke this to my heart this week. And so this is what we're going to talk about. And the title of the message is this. It's called Not the Time. And what I mean by that is, were you ever a kid and maybe you were doing something stupid and, and you were annoying your parents and they're like, now is not the time. You know what I mean? Or even better yet, man, you're married. Maybe you've done this to your wife, and and, and you annoy her sometimes. Any man, you just kind of you you know how to push her buttons, right? And so, uh, praise God, you want to say something silly or be stupid, and she's like, now it's not the time, all right? And so, uh, but what I'm getting at is this, in all seriousness, is uh, I have had a sense of urgency right now to wake up lukewarm Christians and say. Pull your head out of the sand, man. Jesus is coming soon. <laughs> and I'm not joking around. And there's so much that I want to say that I'm going to try to uh, stay focused and contained with it today. But really, if you don't need a, if you, if you need a sign, here's your sign. Jesus is coming soon. It is the end times. And, uh, and you know, someone's like, well, man, I don't, I don't like to hear a preacher talk about that. Jesus talked about it. And I wouldn't want to go to a church right now that doesn't tell me to wake up and get alive and be ready for Jesus. Because he is coming soon. And, and there's so many things that we've seen, especially over the last two years, that the Bible told us was going to happen. And, and it's really interesting. In fact, I'm getting ready to show you a whole bunch of stuff within just a couple of minutes here. But so many things that the Jesus himself said. Jesus himself, let alone all the other prophets, said, hey, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. This is going to happen. Look for this. Look for that. And when this happens, lift your eyes to the sky because your redemption draws nigh. And I'm, that's going to be your sign that I'm coming really, really soon. And it, honestly, it scares me. How many Christians and how many people are not really getting the hint, getting the clue like, you know what, this is not, I mean, the world has changed a lot in the last 10 years. Uh, you know what I mean? I can look back to 2010 and I'm like, man, what a, you know, what an innocent, sweet time. Well, it's 2022 now, so 2012, whatever. And, and I'm like, man, uh, we have seen so many things happen in just a 10-year period. And I'm looking like, man, the world has changed so much in five years and two years. And here we are now. And you're like, well, you know, I, what's happened? Well, we're going to look at some things here. First of all, if you need an outline for the sermon and you didn't get one, the ushers would like to get you one. It would be a good day to follow along because I'm going to hit some things here and, uh, and, and pray that we get, get your attention. And, hey, you're at church today. You apparently know that it's a good thing to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. And so good for you. You did the right thing today. Praise God. What I want to do right now, though, first of all, is open up our Bibles to Luke chapter 21. Can we go to Luke 21? Amen. Now, I am not a doomsday preacher. I'm not a, you know, a, a fear, you know, tactics and things like that. Uh, but I, I, you know, I, I may not be a smart man, but I'm smart enough to know 
when I see Bible prophecy unfolding by the day and to realize, man, I better quit being stupid and I better get it together. And so one thing that, you know, I'd like to say is the end times, it may seem so complicated and complex because, you know, I've, I mean, there's some stuff that I just, uh, I don't pretend to be the full expert on eschatology, which is the study of the end times. But I, uh, I, but I do know one simple thing. I need to be serious because in the end times, you want to play stupid games, you're going to win stupid prizes, right? <laughs> and you need the protection of God on your life and on your family like you've never needed it before. And again, I'm, I'm not here to scare people or be Mr. Doomsday. I'm just saying we need to realize this is not, uh, you know, you're not in Kansas anymore, Dorothy. <laughs> you, it's getting real, and you better, uh, you, you better stick close to Jesus. This is not the time to, uh, to wander off on our own, to, to lose focus, to, you know, uh, do our own little thing. It's serious. And so I'm going to read some words that Jesus spoke out of uh, Luke chapter 21. And a lot of you are familiar with Matthew 24. And it's a parallel passage. It's it's the same uh, this, the same story, the same uh, words of Jesus. But uh, Luke, of course, uh, you know each each of the four gospels they share a lot of the same stories, especially especially Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're called the synoptic gospels, which means same as. And so they mainly tell all the exact same stories: Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John tells a lot of different stories about Jesus, but he does share a couple of the same ones. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all tell pretty much the same stories, just from a different angle. And so, you know, we like to say it this way, you know, if there was like an accident at an intersection, they may ask several different people that were there, well, what happened? And they're all going to basically say the same thing, but this guy saw it from this angle, and this guy saw it from over here. So you're going to get a little bit more of the story, right, looking at uh, each uh, account of what was said and told. And so... Uh, Usually I read Matthew 24, but I want to look at Luke chapter 21 today, and I want you to follow me on a few verses. And a lot of you have heard this a whole lot of times. Some of you have maybe never heard this, but the disciples were with Jesus, and and, uh, long story short, he's like, hey, you see that temple there? One day it's going to be torn to the ground, not one stone left on top of another. And the disciples are like, what? That's crazy. What could possibly tear the temple down? Well, you know, it ended up happening, but... But they're like, what, what's going to be the sign of the end of the world, Jesus? Because that, to them, that was the end of the world. And then Jesus breaks in to a full chapter here of what it's going to be like right before the end of the world. And so it's just fascinating to me. And so much of it describes what we see in our lifetime right now. So Luke 21, verses 9 through 11, first of all, uh, Jesus said, And when you hear of wars and insurrections, Don't panic. Yes, these things must take place first, but the end won't follow immediately. And I was looking at my lifetime. I'm 36 years old. And so for the majority of my life, I've seen war, right? I mean, I haven't been there, but I was just thinking, you know, this whole Afghanistan stuff started when I was a kid in high school and and just ended and ended very poorly, might I add. But it just ended when I'm a grown man with kids in junior high school. And so war 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 insurrections rumors of war and so i read that and i'm like yeah you know seen it my whole life and most of you have at this point too so that doesn't sound like breaking news to any of us but um but look at here at verse 
10, then he added, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And you're like, well, what's nation? What's that? Well, kingdom is talking about a geographical country. Nation is, is a Greek word used here called ethnos, which would be our word ethnic. And so Jesus said, Eth- ethnic group against ethnic group fighting against each other. Na- uh, kingdom, you know, country against country. And I'm like, check, check. Seen it? Absolutely. Sounds like the day and age that we live in. There will be earth, great earthquakes. You know, we're used to that. We live in California. There will be famines and plagues in many lands. And most of my life, I'm like, I've never really seen a plague until 2020. I saw a plague hit the whole earth, right? And so, yeah, plagues. And, and, and not just in one land, not just in one little isolated area, plagues in many lands. And we have now seen that, amen? And there will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs from heaven. And so all of this is just, I'm like, man, Jesus, you called it. But let's keep going here. I'm, I can't read the whole chapter, but I do encourage you to do that. I'm going to skip down here to verse 25. Read a few verses here, verse 25. Jesus said, and there will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And here on earth, the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. And, you know, everyone's talking about the the climate changing and all this stuff. And I'm, you know, whatever. But at the same time, Jesus said, you're going to see some weird stuff happening. The tides and the waves and the weather patterns, it's all going to get real crazy there at the end. And people will be perplexed by it. Like, what's causing this? What's going on? Well, look at here, this next verse. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And I got to say, man, I've seen more terror and fear and anxiety and absolute horror than I had ever seen in my previous several years. Just people absolutely terrified to even come out of their house, right? People to even, I mean, just terrified at what they see coming. And I'm like, one of the signs of the end times was fear. And fear is a dangerous thing, folks. Fear is a dangerous thing. And, 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 but Jesus said that it was going to happen. And people even now are terrified. There's still people that they just, you know, and I'm, not, I'm not making fun of them. My heart breaks. But come on, it's time to get out of your house and get some fresh air. It's time to go to church and be with other Christians. It's time to live your life. But the fear has gripped people's hearts. And then verse 27, there's all this stuff going on. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. Amen. So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up, for your salvation is near. And that's just a partial list right there. But I'm saying, you better stand up, you better wake up and look for your salvation. The day of Jesus coming is very, very near. And some people have heard that my whole life. All right, have that attitude, brother. You just go right ahead. I've heard it my whole life too, but I'm telling you what, I don't know the day. No one does. Not even Jesus knows the day he's coming back. You realize that, right? Jesus said, not even the Son of Man knows the day, only the Father in heaven. And so, well, why doesn't even Jesus know? Man, Jesus, he says, I tell you everything the Father tells me. I would, he would tell us, right? He would, and then we'd know. But, but for real, listen, 
the day is coming soon, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know when that day is. All I can say is this. It's a whole lot closer than it was a couple of years ago. It's a whole lot closer than it, you know, it was two years ago. And in fact, here we are in March. This is the exact month two years ago that the world shut down. We're getting ready to cross into year number three. And I remember our last service was March 15th of that year. and Well, our, temporarily. Then, you know, we went ahead and did the online thing for, you know, for a little bit, you know, a month and a half, two months. And, I, you know, I look back on it like... Did we, you know, we, I guess we did the right thing out of honor for a little bit, but I really, I'm never going to do that again. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> we opened up and then they said, all right, no, everyone's going to shut back down again. And we said, not this time. Fell for it once. Fool, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Those doors ain't ever shutting again. Amen. And so they stayed open. You know, crazy to think that we illegally had church for, you know, eight months in the United States of America, but we did, and praise God the Lord blessed us for it because we had the best two years this church has ever had. Amen? And so I'm glad for it. And so, um, but let's look here, look verse 29. Then he gave them this illustration. Notice the fig tree or any other tree. When the leaves come out, you know without being told that summer is near. I'm starting to see our leaves sprout here in the desert. Springtime, summer's almost here. In the same way, when you see all these things taking place, you can know that the kingdom of God is near. I'm not taking a wild guess right now. I'm not just, I'm not sticking my neck out on the line and, and saying something risky. I'm very confident in this. The kingdom of God is near. I can know that according to Jesus. Verse 32, I tell you the truth. This generation will not pass from the scene until all these things have taken place. A generation is this word nation. And one of the key things to Jesus being able to come back is Israel, who, where he was at, had to be a nation again. You realize they weren't even a nation for 2,000 years. They were actually called Palestine up until 1948, I think it was. And, and Israel became a nation again in 1948 after 2,000 years of not even being an actual country. And Jesus said, oh, this nation, it's going to be here for all these things to take place. And boom, it has happened. Amen. And so... Um, let's see where was I at here. So I would tell you, all right, verse 33, heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness. So, hey, newsflash, not a good time to be carousing and getting drunk. Well, don't, don't you say that preacher. Don't you judge us, man. Jesus said it. All right. If you got beef with someone, don't get mad at me. You can take it up with Jesus. But Beyond that, what's the next thing he says? Or by the worries of this life. Jesus just lumped in worries with carousing and drunkenness in the same sentence. And so I know it's hard because like my dad just talked about, I was driving past the gas station the other, you know, just a couple days ago. And I was like, kids, we've talked about it, but I never actually thought that I would see gas cross $5 a gallon. At the cheap station, right? You know, I, I know where the cheap ones are. You do too. We've got those ones right by the exit ramps that are like twenty dollars a gallon, but they've always been that, right? But 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 you know, when 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 the cheap guys start, I'm like, I never, I never really thought I'd see that. This, you know, I'm not going to sit here and cry about it, but it's an, it's insane. And so, Jesus said, don't don't lose focus. Don't wander off. Don't get lost. You know, playing, getting drunk and, and carousing. 
or by the worries of this life. And so I'm going to tell you right now, Satan is going to try to hit you with worry and fear right now. And Jesus said, oh, it's coming. It's coming. But don't let it get you. And so I encourage you today, don't let worry and fear get a hold of you right now. You resist that worry in the name of Jesus and realize that you're going to win. You're going to overcome because you have Jesus. Can I get an amen? And so he said, don't let that day catch you unaware. Oh, what a, what a phrase. What a, what a word to us right now. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. For that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Keep alert at all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. Now, again, that may not sound like the, you know, encouragement, but this is the word of God. And it is my mission in life right now to get lukewarm, head in the sand, not paying any attention, asleep at the wheel Christians and say, wake up right now. Wake up. Don't wander off. It's dangerous if you are not living with Jesus right now. And so one, one other thing I'd like to show you quickly is in Daniel chapter 11. And so this is of, of extreme interest at the moment. And, uh, and so I've always, my, my whole life and my whole uh, time studying, I guess, eschatology and end times teaching, I've always heard, um, always heard the, the, the teachers of this talk about, you know, in the end times, Russia is going to be one of the major players in this whole thing. And I've heard it my, I've heard it my whole life, honestly. And then, well, everyone was like, well, that's, you know, that's because of the Cold War thing. And then it was over. Then people, even the last few years, have been like, you know, oh, come, whatever happened to Russia, they're, they're safe as can be now. And, and it, you know, the Bible teachers were all wrong about it. And, and you know, just all this stuff. And then I've just been like, no, I know what it, that, that there's something to this. And so I, I've heard several uh, Bible teachers talk about Daniel 11. Uh, it talks about the king of the north. And, and so if you were to look at a map, believe it or not, uh, Russia being the largest country in the entire world by land mass, it, it's huge, but it is to the far north of Israel, right? And so we got to keep in mind everything that we're reading from these guys, you know, in the Old Testament, they're, 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 they're writing from that proximity, right, of Israel. And, and uh, Daniel was in uh, uh, Babylon here, but, but check it out. It keeps talking about this king of the north and, and him invading and, and plundering other countries and stuff. It's wild, but everyone was like, see, never happened. And I'm like, oh, wait, it's going to happen one of these days. I just don't know when. And so Daniel 11, I, I believe this refers, and, you know, and you, you could debate me. You could say I'm wrong, and that's fine. I've been called worse things and told worse things. Amen. But, uh, but I do believe that this is in reference to Russia. And Ezekiel 38 would uh, talk about uh, Gog of Magog and, uh, and say some of the exact same things. But Daniel 11, starting at verse 13, I'm in the NLT. Says a few years later, the king of the north will return with a fully equipped army far greater than before. At that time, there will be a general uprising against the king of the south. 
violent men among your own people will join them in fulfillment of this vision, but they will not succeed. Then the king of the north will come and lay siege to a fortified city and capture it. The best troops of the south will not be able to stand in the face of the onslaught. And so there's a lot more written in this chapter about all of this. I encourage you, you could study it out and you could find out more about it. But this is what I've been told for years and years that, hey, this type of thing is going to happen. And boom, here I believe, see it happening even right now in 2022. And, and so, again, my urgency in my heart and on the inside of me is to say, my gosh, if you claim to be a Christian right now, it's not the time for games. It's not the time to, to, to just be taking this thing lightly, even if half of what we just read were true, <laughs> uh, which I believe all of what we're reading is true. Even if just half of it, that should be enough to say, you know what, I got to quit messing around. I, 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 it's time for me to, to be all in with Jesus. Amen. And so for me, it would be beyond my comprehension. I'm so thrilled to see a wonderful crowd here this morning, but it would be beyond my comprehension how on a day and age like this, if I knew anything about the Bible, my behind would be in church on Sunday morning right now, like it is right now. I mean, I, I would want to be hearing, you know, from the Bible what's going on. I'd want to be around the people of God in the house of God as much as I can. And so, again, good job to you guys. You're doing a great job. But um, what I want to look at a few minutes here today is this. And so my title is Not the Time. And again, I get that from the Holy Spirit and from my mom and my wife telling me, this is not the time. Stop it right now. And so I feel the Lord saying that, uh, that to us, like, this is not the time for what we're going to look at. All right. And so uh, I, I want to go ahead and pray. And then, then I'll get into two things here. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are good enough and kind enough to uh, have written, Lord, things for us thousands of years ago that we could look to right now as kind of a map, Lord, as, as, as direction and instruction for what's taking place in the world and for what we could expect next. God, I love you. And I pray that you will speak to us today in the name of Jesus and that we would pay attention to what you're saying. And we thank you, Lord, that we are victorious and we are surrounded by the armies of heaven, Lord, in our lives. But we know we got to stick with you and not wander off. We're sticking with you in the name of Jesus. Can everybody say amen? All right. So number one, right now is not the time to be lukewarm. Not the time to be lukewarm. Now I realize, um, you know, if you haven't been in church very long or read the Bible very long, that may not sound like, a, you know, like, well, what's that talking about? I'm going to explain that. But if you've been a Christian very long, how many of you have heard the phrase lukewarm Christian? Anybody you've heard that phrase? Well, it's a Bible phrase, and it actually came, once again, straight out of the mouth of Jesus himself. So let's look at Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Amen. And it's, uh, you know, I, someone, had, I think it was me and dad were at Jenny's one day, dad and I, excuse me, we were at Jenny's one day, and this, uh, I don't know, every, sometimes when you're in public, you hesitate to tell people what you do for a living if you're, because all the crazies want to come and, you know, like say crazy things to you. And so anyway, she found out we were pastors, and, and she's like, oh, and anyway, she went on, she's like, well, most preachers are afraid to preach out of Revelation. Do you, are you guys afraid to preach out? I'm like, man, I'm not afraid to preach out of any book in the Bible. I'll preach out of Revelation all day long. 
But she's like, well, but my dad, he kind of likes to mess with people. So he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're, you know, no, uh, yeah. She's like, well, what do you guys talk about at your church? He's like, we talk about Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. I mean, come on, get lost. <laughs> so anyway, uh, thank you, Dad. All right, he, he he's much better at that than I am. He, I'm too soft. I just let people, you know, say crazy things to me. But Revelation 3, verses 15 through 16. And here's Jesus. Uh, he he appeared and talked. Had a seven letters for seven churches here. But here we are. He's talking to this church in Laodicea, which is the name of the city that this church was in. But look at verses 15 and 16. He says, "I know all the things you do. That you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you're like lukewarm water." neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. I'm like, that, I mean, that just doesn't sound very kind or encouraging or uplifting at all. But Jesus said, hey, I wish that you were one or the other. I wanna, I'm going to put this on the screen. This is out of the Message Bible, and it, it kind of words it in a very blunt way. Jesus said, I know you inside and out, and I find little to my liking. You're not cold. You're not hot. It'd be far better to be either cold or hot. You're stale, you're stagnant, you make me want to vomit. Like, woo, Jesus, come on. Why would you say that to somebody? And so, really, I've pondered this my whole life, to be honest. I've heard these verses for years and years and years, and it's always got me like, why would you rather someone just be cold than, wouldn't lukewarm, I mean, halfway committed, wouldn't that be at least a little bit better than just being a flat-out cold? And then I, was, I prayed on this, and in 2020, I felt the Lord speak this to my heart. There are some, several reasons why God would rather you just be cold than lukewarm. A lukewarm Christian is a dangerous person and Christian. Well, why would you say that? Well, for one, you're going to get vomited by Jesus. Who, nobody wants that. That ain't no good. But why is a lukewarm Christian so dangerous? Well, one reason is this. They have a very false sense of security. Well, what does that mean? Well, they think that they're good and strong in the Lord, and, and oh, yeah, man, I know those verses, you know, and I mean, yeah, oh, yeah, and some guys, you know, man, I know more Bible than anybody in there. That's cute, but you don't do any of it, and so you've got a false sense of security when, and in fact, James put it this way, when you're a hearer of the word, but you don't do any of it, you are deceiving yourself. That's James one twenty two. And so I believe that a lukewarm Christian is a danger to themselves because they think, ah, I know what the word says, I, I'm, you know, whatever, I'm good. And they've got a false sense of security because then the enemy attacks and the, and the storms come and some catastrophe happens and they weren't prepared for it at all. You know, you think about someone that, you know, we talked about laying foundations in the men's meeting yesterday, and, and it's really good to say, yeah, I know all the ingredients that go into a good foundation. You got to have your concrete, you got to have this, you got to do that. It's wonderful to know all those things, but it's a whole other thing to have actually done it, right? It doesn't do me any good to read a bunch of books on building foundations and concrete. It's fine to read all of it, but it's a whole lot better to actually do it. And so a lukewarm Christian, they hear verses, they know verses, they know more than you, they know better than, you know, all this stuff, but they don't actually do any of the word. And then when a storm and a catastrophe hits, they were massively unprepared and they never saw it coming. So I think a lukewarm Christian is a danger to themselves. But one of the worst things about a lukewarm Christian 
is this, is that they make the world around them think that all Christians are as unstable and shallow as they are. Thank you. I'm going to say that again. Yeah. I should have stayed home today. No, no, you shouldn't. You're here. You're, but I, really, uh, why is a, a, a lukewarm Christian, why, why do they, you know, I don't want to say make Jesus sick to his stomach, but why does a lukewarm Christian make Jesus want to puke? Well, uh, because they make the world around them think that all Christians are just as shallow and unstable as the lukewarm guy is. A lukewarm, in and out Christian is the worst witness that there is. I know one guy that on Facebook one week, he's Billy Graham. Repent, and thou shalt be saved. And then the very next week, he, you know, I don't know rappers, so I'm going to say, next week he's like cussing like Eminem on there or something. You know, beep, 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 beep. Then the next week, repent of your sins. The king is coming soon. Shut up. No one takes you seriously, including the devil. If you're like that, no one takes you seriously. You're a joke. And the devil knows it, and everybody else knows it. And you're making Jesus and the rest of us look crazy and unstable. You know, if you're not going to, and I, you know, I'm just being real straightforward right now, but if you're not going to walk the walk, then for the love of God, don't talk the talk, all right? Just leave it to those that are willing, you know, to do it. We're not condemning you and judging you and making you feel bad, but seriously, one of my Bible college teachers, he told the story. I'll just share this real quick. He said one day his high school son was walking out the door with a Christian T-shirt on going to school. Yeah. And his dad's like, where are you going? What are you wearing? He's like, oh, it's a Christian T-shirt. It's got Bible verses on it. I'm wearing it to school. He's like, take it off now. And, and, and the kid's like, why? What's wrong? I go to the church. He's like, take that shirt off. You're not allowed. You don't leave this house with that Christian shirt on. You hear? And this is my Bible college teacher. And the kid's like, why are you saying that? He's like, because I know that at school, you don't live like a Christian. You act crazy. You get in trouble every day. And I get calls. I don't want anybody identifying Christianity right now with how you live and act at school. Take it off. You know, go put your Nirvana shirt on or whatever you're wearing. I don't know. But go put something else on. And that's the truth of the matter. You know, if, you, if you're just not willing to, um, and again, I, 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 I understand that this may not be what you wanted to hear today. But if you're not going to take your faith a little bit more seriously, don't go around with a loudspeaker blasting it at one week and then turning around and cursing those same people out the next week and, and, and you know, joking about dirty things and looking at dirty things. Don't do it. Just, just stop, all right? Just stop it. You're going to hurt yourself. You're playing with fire there, and you're going to do some damage to yourself and to other people around you. And so why is a lukewarm Christian danger? Well, they're a danger to themselves. They, they, they make everybody think that all Christians must be like that, just shallow and unstable. And then another reason is they, you make the rest of God's army, you make the rest of us think that we can count on you. Then in the heat of the battle, we find out that we couldn't. And that, I mean, I've never been in the military. I know a lot of you have, so I don't at all, you know proclaim to you know know what you guys know but i do know this uh if you're not gonna have my back i'd rather know right now not when all the bullets are flying i mean if if you're if you're just not really that committed i need to know now rather than when the storm comes the end times come and the whole world's blowing up i need to know that you're not going to be there so we can find out who is going to stick with this thing and so again all those things that I just mentioned, uh, that's why Jesus takes it so seriously and says, 
man, you make me want to puke. <laughs> you make me want to vomit. Because, a, listen, why a cold person is better than a lukewarm person because they at least know they're screwed up, right? And even we've been cold, right? I've been cold. You've been cold, spiritually speaking. And at the time, I knew it. I wasn't trying to defend it. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not right. I, I get it. I'm not right, and I fully understand that. A cold person at least knows that they're screwed up, and they know better than to preach when they can't back it up. And we all know that, hey, we, we love him. He doesn't have our back, and we know that. So we know to not count on that person, right? And so, again, uh, I'm, just, I'm just shooting very brutally honest with us today because I'm convinced that it is the end times that Jesus told us about. And it's vitally important that Christians get serious and don't quit playing games. All or nothing for Jesus. Amen. And so that's what we're talking about. All right. So what is a lukewarm Christian? Well, I've got a few things I'm going to say here. A few points. What's a lukewarm Christian? Well, the first thing is they have one foot in and one foot out. You know, they, they don't, they, they, they like that Jesus and the Bible and church inspire them, gives them the feels on a bad day, right? They get the warm fuzzies whenever, and, and they like that. And, and I'm like, well, at least you know, you know that Jesus is there for you and, and loves you. But uh, th- they like the good feeling they get from all this stuff, but they don't want to commit. Now, all of us in here have areas we struggle in and aren't perfect in, and I, I get that. I, I fall short, and I sin every week. And, and, you know, people, you know, come to me and, and say, you know, like, oh, you're just saying that to make us feel good. No, man, I can be a real knucklehead sometimes. I can do stupid things, all right? Pastor Dave sins sometimes because nobody is perfect except Jesus, and we killed him, right? <laughs> and so the only perfect guy to ever come to earth, and they end up killing him. But... No, we're, none of us are perfect. I would never pretend uh, that I totally had everything together. But here's the thing. My goal isn't to stay that way. I'm not defending the stupid things I do. I'm saying, man, I need to get this together, all right? There's a difference between knowing that you're doing something wrong, feeling in your heart like, you know what, I, I, Lord, help me. I need to change. I, I don't want to be like this. I want to get better. The Lord can work with that heart. The hard heart says, I, well, I know the Bible says this, but whatever, man, I'm doing my thing, all right? And, I, and you have no intention of even remotely changing that? Listen, that, that's a hard heart, and, and, and that's not, you're not going to get very far with that. And so um, I would say a lukewarm Christian, they want God's blessing and benefits, but again, they don't want to commit to it. Uh, they're a, a spiritual gold digger. You know what I mean? We see these uh, these relationships and stuff. You see a, a 20-year-old supermodel married an 85-year-old man. I don't think she's in it just because of his great looks and the love. But, but oh, it just he just so happens to be a billionaire, right? Um, listen, there's more than meets the eye right there, okay? And so and sometimes it's the same way, though. We've got spiritual gold diggers that they want all the, yeah, God, give me, give me, give me your blessings. I know it says that you want me to prosper. I want the financial blessings. I want the peace. I want the joy. I want all of this. And then God says, oh, man, no, I want you to have all that. Can I have your heart? Can you just commit to me? And like, uh, 
I don't want to do that. I, I, I no. Why? And 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 what is it? That's. I mean, it's a spiritual gold digger. And according to Jesus in Revelation three sixteen, you make me want to puke. Okay. And I can see how that would hurt his heart. What's another thing about uh, being a lukewarm Christian? Well, they're controlled by their moods and their emotions. One week they're in the mood to read the Bible and go to church and and say amen, and the next week they're not in the mood, so they don't. And well, I, you know what 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 are what are we trying to say here? I'm saying that some weeks even the most mature Christians don't feel like reading the Bible or going to church or serving up in the nursery, or, you know, going to the parenting class. Uh, Some weeks, even the most mature people in here don't feel like doing the Christian things. But here's the difference. They still make themselves do it. Because when you grow up, you realize that you do what you need to do, not what you want to do. How many of you get up and go to work every day and you don't always feel like doing it? Why do you go? Because there's money attached. But why is it, hey, that some days I don't feel like reading my Bible today, praying. I don't know. No, it's not worshiping, going to church. I, I, I don't feel like it today, so I'm not going to. If there was money attached, would you? Who do you serve? All right, I'm going to stick back to this right now because that did not go. I thought in my head it sounded better, but apparently that didn't go over too well. So, but as you grow up and mature in the Lord, you start doing the things you need to do even when you don't feel like doing it. That's called being a grown-up in the real world and in the Christian life. And so another thing about being lukewarm is they look to the world for help before they look to God for help. And I challenge you right now, and, and this isn't, you know, this is to help us. This is to help me. This is for all of us that as we see, you know, some wild things, crazy things going on in the world, are we first of all looking at, you know, how much money we've got, how much, you know, what th- of this we've got, what, or are we looking to God for our help first? Are we saying, you know what, this is going on over there, but you know what? I lift my eyes under the hills. From where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Where is it that we look to for help? Jesus shouldn't be, you know, plan B, C, D, E. And after we've exhausted all options, you know, Kenneth Copeland tells this story about these two old guys that got themselves into some trouble out there. They tried everything. Uh, you know, I think they had a leak in their boat or something. And finally one guy says, do you think we should pray? And the other guy says, has it come to that? There should never be a time where we've tried everything else. Maybe we ought to pray. You're a Christian. That's the first thing you should have done is pray, right? Not, has it come to that? Are we so bad off that we as Christians are going to have to pray right now? It shouldn't be that way. Prayer should have been our first thing. Going to the Lord should have been the very first thing. And so... For us, we know that in the end times, it can be dangerous to not trust in God. You need to know how to look to the Lord and trust him for help. Because things that we've relied on forever and ever, they may not be there a year from now. I've learned this much. Things can change really, really quick. I've learned that in the last two years that things can change just super quick. One day, 
this could be there, and the next day it ain't there no more. And now you got to figure something else out. But you know what's going to always be there? Jesus. They're not taking it. He's not quarantining. He's not getting locked away. He's not getting attacked. He's not getting sold out. He's not. He's always going to be there. And so if he is the one that I'm relying on, I'm good to go. Because they cannot take him away from me. Amen? The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Isaiah 30 verse 1. Uh, I'm going to do this in the Living Bible, which is different than the New Living Translation. A lot of people think they're the same. They're not. The New Living Translation is a literal translation. The Living Bible is a paraphrase. But anyway, Isaiah 30 and verse 1. And Isaiah said this, Woe to my rebellious children, says the Lord. You ask advice from everyone but me and decide to do what I don't want you to do. You yoke yourselves with unbelievers, thus piling up your sins. And so... Uh, it just gets me right there that he says, you ask everyone advice but me. And how many times are we doing that? Like, man, I've got a problem here. What is the very first thing we do, children? Google. Let's go. Come on. get it. Here we go. What does WebMD got to say about this today? Well, oh, well, you know what? What's the? No. Google is not my go-to. Jesus is my go-to. The Holy Spirit. God the Father. And so, I again, I mean, just do a checkup from the neck up. And if this speaks to you today, let, let it be known that God's trying to get your attention right now. If he is not the first place you turn to when the storm arrives, you could possibly be lukewarm. I'll just let you talk to God about that yourself. I'm not here to determine if you are or not, but you know if, if you are, all right? And so the number two thing I'm going to say today is this, all right? We're talking about not the time, number one, to be lukewarm, and number two, not the time to wander off. It is not the time to start wandering off and getting distracted and and just doing something else. It's vitally important that we stay connected to Jesus and the family of God during this time. Now, a New Testament verse, this isn't going to be on there, but Hebrews 10, 25, it says, let us not neglect, the uh, the King James says, the the, the assembly of the saints, or don't forsake the assembly. And what's that talking about? The joining up, the going to church, okay? It says, don't neglect that, especially as the day of the Lord approaches. And so I believe that it's very serious that you not only stay connected to the word of God, but to the people of God right now. We need each other. We need each other right now. And we, it's so important that the family sticks together in all this. And so if you're someone that's prone to fads and phases and, and stages, listen, Jesus and church cannot be a fad or a phase that you began 2022 with. And then you get distracted and wander off and, and just, no. If you've got commitment issues, now's the time to fix it. Yeah, but you can't. You yeah, you can. You can you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. If you've got commitment issues, you can fix it. And and it is possible, but it does take some responsibility on our part in saying, "No, I'm sticking with Jesus this time." And so I want you to look at one more spot here today, 2 Peter chapter 2, 2 Peter chapter 2. Are you still with me today? Have I lost you? I want you to get this. So we're going to look at 2 Peter chapter 2. And it's so important. 
for us to realize the day and the age that we live in. And, the, and people have looked to this, forward to this maybe for generations. And, you know, I, I've heard somebody talk about, you know, people all the time these days are like, man, if I could have just lived in the days of Moses and seen the miracles, if I could have just lived in the days of David and Joshua and, and, and Paul and Peter and, and seeing the things and those guys are in heaven saying, man, if I could have just lived down there in the end times. Wow, what a ripe harvest field. If I could have just been there at the end of it all. And you were born for a time such as this. It's not a mistake that we are the people alive in the world right now. Jesus planned it that way. He's got a purpose for you being in this generation right now. You are in this world for a reason in 2022. Amen? And so you need to find out what that reason is. And I'm telling you that that reason is to bring other people to Jesus and to do things his way. Amen? So 2 Peter chapter 2, here we are. We're going to look at verses 20 through 22. And uh, Peter, uh, just a great, great, great book, both First and Second Peter, for us to uh, see some of the instruction that the Lord had for us in the end times here. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 20. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they're worse off than before. What are we talking about? Wandering, getting distracted, just walking away from what we've already got. He says, it would be better if they had never known the way to righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. Look at this, 22. They prove the truth of this proverb. A dog returns to its vomit. Another says, a washed pig returns to the mud. And so what are we saying today for us as Christians in this time frame? Jesus pulled you up out of the mud. Is there anybody? You were a muddy mess. Jesus pulled you out of the mud. He washed you off. You were just sick and and, and, and were surrounded by just a nasty puke pile, and you were taken away from it. Don't go back to the mud and the puke and the mess. Don't go back right now. You're better off where you are. Never return to that. Matthew 18 and verse 12 says that the good shepherd would leave the 99 sheep to chase after the one that wanders away. Praise God, he'll do it. That's the truth. And if we've wandered, he'll leave everything else to come take care of us. But it's a dangerous time to be that one right now that's just wandering off in la-la land, chasing our tail in circles, you not knowing anything's going on. We've got to stick close to Jesus, closer than we ever have before. Final verse that I want to just quote to you is uh, Joel 3 and verse 14. And this has never been more true than it is right now. Joel 3, 14 says, Thousands upon thousands are waiting in the valley of decision. There's so many people 
in this world right now that they're like, I know that I... The, the Bible says this, and my friends are telling me this, and, and I just, I don't know. I, and, and they're waiting to make their choice about Jesus. They're waiting to say, should I get back into church? Should I wait to, should, should I get back around godly people? Should I walk away from this? I don't know what to do. And it says thousands upon thousands are waiting in the valley of decision. But then it says, it is right there that the day of the Lord will arrive. So many people are just right there, right there. Uh, where do I go? Should I do it? Should I not? They're right there in the valley of decision. And then, boom, it's right there that the day of the Lord arrives. And, hey, when that happens, we should have been ready. We should have been ready. And all this stuff that I'm saying today, it's not about you, you, you. It's not about you've got to be better. You've got to know. But what it's saying is Jesus is good. And by his grace you can live for him by his grace you can go from being lukewarm to being total commitment to Jesus and totally where you need to be with him but it's not about striving and trying your hardest it's about relying on Jesus every day because my hardest and my best it's not good enough I need Jesus every single day can we stand up together today praise God I pray that uh, we've received the word of the Lord today. And again, I know this much. It's serious out there right now. And and I really do believe the things that we're seeing in, in Europe and, and beyond. I mean, is World War Three about to start? I, I don't know. I'm not going to predict that or say that. But it's more possible than it was, you know, a month ago. <laughs> Or a couple years ago, and I got these promises from Jesus that if I abide under the shadow of the Almighty, amen, that a thousand could fall at my left hand and ten thousand at my right hand, but it wouldn't touch me. I need that. My family needs that. My children need that. We need to be living for Jesus right now more than we ever have before. So we're saying, don't be lukewarm. Don't wander off right now. Don't get lost. We're going to take communion together today. It's our communion Sunday. And I, I really believe that this is just the best time you've ever had to take communion and to say, Lord, if there's something I need to change, I'm bringing it before you right now at the holy time of communion. Lord, if there's something I need to repent of, I'm repenting of it right now. Jesus, forgive me and help me do things better. Help me change this. But right now is the absolute perfect time to take communion and to get things right. And so you don't have to be a member of High Desert Word Center to take communion. I don't care if you're a member here or not. But you do have to be a member of the family of God. It, you can't take communion unless you're a born-again Christian. It's, it's dangerous. You're going you're gonna to bring danger upon yourself. And so I want to pray together this morning. And uh, if you're here and you don't have things right with the Lord, then... We're going to fix that right now if you want to. Or uh, maybe you're here and you're kind of what we talked about today. You've been lukewarm or you've wandered off or you know that uh, you, uh, you just, you're not right with God. Today's the day to fix that before we approach the communion table. Can we pray together today? I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, Father, in Jesus name I believe in your son, Jesus, in your son Jesus, that he died, he died 
that he rose again. Jesus, forgive me for any wrong I've done. Forgive me for wandering off, for being lukewarm. I promise to live for you now. Give me the strength in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so, listen, if you have prayed that, uh, we are big believers in public acknowledgement of Jesus. None of this, you know, bashful, I'm ashamed of it. But I want to get to communion. If you prayed that and you know, like, I, I, I'm getting things right with God today. I vitally need you to see Jose. Jose, raise your hand. In fact, Jose, come on up real quick. All right. Um, this is Jose, and he's my discipleship man. If you prayed that today and you're like, you know what, I'm getting things right with God. I ain't playing around. I need you to go see Jose here as we come up to get communion. Uh, he's going to get your name and number, and with your permission, I'd like to set you up with what we call a spiritual personal trainer. That's someone that would text you a Bible verse and pray for you every day for the next 30 days and make sure that you're getting on the right track with God. We want to help you, and we know how serious it is. And so I'm going to invite us to come up for communion. If you would like to talk to Jose, he's just going to get your name and number right now. That's it. And then we'll get a hold of you tomorrow on that. Amen. But let's take communion. Let's start coming up. First row, second row, let's go. Let's get our communion elements. Let's do this. Come on, let's go. If you'd like to stay at the altar today uh, for your communion, that's absolutely okay. You can stay at the altar and take it.
verses here out of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. A couple verses here for us today as we take communion. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Man, if you're a Christian, you've got things right with God this morning. You don't have to tiptoe and bashfully and say, oh, you know, Lord, I'm not worthy. Oh, please. Oh, blah, blah. But hey, look, you're worthy because of what Jesus did, not because of what you did. Amen. And so don't don't be bashful. You don't have to, you know, cowardly and tiptoe. No, you can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. You can go right into the presence of God today with a sincere heart, fully trusting him. Why? For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. Our bodies have been washed with pure water. Amen. If you've repented of your sins, if you if you've received Jesus, you're good, man. You're good to go. You can go right in to God's most holy place. You're not a beggar. You're not a little coward. You're not a little punk that doesn't belong there. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You belong in the presence of God. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise. But it's also very important because 1 Corinthians 11 says, before we take communion, you've got to do it in a worthy manner. This is not just some thing we do. It's not just some tradition, not just something. It's important. And 1 Corinthians 11 says, before you do it, you've got to examine yourself. It says you've got to judge yourself. And so I always take a few minutes before communion and examine myself and say, God, what is it that I got to change? What is it that I got to do better? What is it that needs to change in my life before I take your blood and your body? What what do I got to change right here? And so let's take a, just a minute here today of examining ourselves and doing business with God. And uh, if you got to clean some things up, hey, let's do it. All right, let's do this. Let's take just a minute here.
1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 here. This is the instructions for communion. It says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is broken for you. Do this to remember me. And so as we take this bread today, we know that this symbolizes the body of Jesus Christ himself. And it was broken for us to pay for our healing, to pay uh, for, for so we could have joy and peace. We thank you, Jesus, for your body being broken for us. We do this to remember you. Verse 25, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. And so as we take the juice today, symbolizing the blood of Jesus, this reminds us that our sins are forgiven. His blood has washed us as white as snow. We don't have to feel guilt and shame and disgust. We are forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. We do this to remember you, Jesus. Amen. Let's sing to him today, what can wash away my sins. Amen. Stay here at the altar as we sing. Let's do this. Wash away my sin, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious. Is that flow that makes me white as snow? No other mountain, no, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to have my prayer team come up this morning. If you need prayer for anything, you can stay at the altar and worship. You do what you want to do. Amen. Josh is going to keep leading us in worship. But if you came and you have a need of prayer today, we want to lay hands on you. And, of course, if you're here and and you want to talk to Jose for a minute about uh, uh, receiving Jesus and all that, then praise God, go talk to Jose. But let's take just a minute here uh, to pray. If you need prayer, please come on up right now. And if you just want to worship God at the altar, you just worship God at the altar. That's totally fine. Amen. And I know that I know 
shade prison walls I will speak to my fear I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then you'll be faithful now alright everybody praise God well I pray that you've been blessed today and received the word of the Lord for us amen And we just know this much that it's time to take Jesus seriously. It's time to take our faith more serious than ever and stick close to him. All right. Well, uh, if you signed up for the intentional parenting class, it starts at four o'clock. It's going to go from four to five p.m. right here. And if you didn't sign up, but you wanted to, then uh, you can still get back there to the bookstore right now and grab a book and uh, and be here. There's child care for it, so uh, we encourage you to do that, all right? And, of course, uh, there's no softball practice today for you softball guys. That's canceled until Robert gets back. Amen? And, and, all right? Hallelujah. How many want to know more how to live in faith for what's going on right now over, over in Ukraine and everywhere? Well, you know, I, I was thinking uh, last year at this time, most of you know where I was. I was in the jungle down in Peru two years ago, yeah, when this pandemic stuff hit, and I'm glad I knew how to pray in faith over my food and over what I drink, because I've been doing it for 42 years, and a lot, a lot of you may think that when you pray over food, it's just a nice thing to do, because Christians do it, no, that's not God's purpose, I want to teach you tonight what God's purpose is in praying over your food, to stop bad stuff from hurting you, and then also I was thinking this, I was in Ukraine, Kiev, Ukraine, right after the Iron Curtain fell, and then right after Chernobyl, and I prayed for a lot of people that got sick from Chernobyl. And so I've been to some of these hot spots around the world, things going on, but I want to say this, the common denominator was, I knew how to pray in faith for what I ate and what I drank. 
I wasn't afraid of the radiation and the things going on and the different things because I know how to prepare my food. I don't just say a nice little grace, a nice little, oh, thank you, Jesus. I say, thank you, Jesus. But I want to teach you from the Bible, if you come back tonight, how to use your faith. You know, there's a lot of talk going on. Russia wasn't trying to hit our system to mess with our water and mess with things. Well, I'll tell you one thing I know. I know from the Bible that if my water got messed with, because I was down where the water got messed with, I know how to pray so I don't get sick. I know how to pray for my food, not just a little God bless me. I know how to use faith in God's word so that something poisonous is in my food, I won't get sick. Somebody said, well, i never heard of that before. Well, that's why you need to be here tonight. Amen. Because the times we live in, you need to learn how to be a real Christian. Amen, Pastor Dave. All right, amen. All right, we're going to close out. Uh, they wanted me to remind you of all you parents that have kids in children's church, the general store day is today where they collect their little prizes and stuff. So make sure that uh, parents, your kids are going to be upstairs doing general store. And there's prayer at uh, 5 o'clock also, service at 6, and the parenting class at 4. Let's go. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in the Word of God today. And I pray that we will take you seriously, Lord. And if we've kind of been uh, lukewarm, I pray that, hey, we're going to heat up right now and live our lives 100% for you in the name of Jesus. Jesus, use us this week, Lord, in these troubled times to be the light of the world to all those around us to show your love in Jesus' name to everybody we come into contact with. We love you. We praise you in the name of Jesus. Can someone say amen? All right, let's do this. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our sisters are blessed. Our, we're all blessed. Thank you, Lord. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go.